Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. I have Matt Lipscomb, the CEO and founder of uh, DMC Biotechnologies. So Matt, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, great. Thanks for your time today. All right. So tell me about uh, DMC. What's the premise of the company? Sure. So we are a spin-out from Duke University. Uh, so our core technology was invented by my co-founder there, uh, Dr. Mike Lynch. Um, the premise of the company is basically that for the last you know, 15, 20 years, um, industrial biotechnology, so using biotech to make things like specialty chemicals or you know, all the way up to commodities and fuels, has basically taken a very long time and a significant amount of money. Uh, and there are a number of sort of technical challenges and barriers that the field has faced for a long time. And the, the premise of DMC and the, the technology that Mike invented was basically to address those things. And so it's you know bringing down the cost of development, so the cost from project inception all the way through demonstration of commercially relevant metrics, uh, being able to do that at a time and a price point that enables going after you know, multiple specialty chemical products. So it's a, a major disruption in you know, the, the field as it, as it currently stands. Well, what are some specifics? What are some chemicals that are, you know, in high demand and, you know, how are they produced now and how would you propose producing them instead? Sure. So, you know, there's largely two big buckets of, of chemicals these days, right? So there are there are things that are made from petroleum or petroleum derivatives, and that's, you know, the lion's share the things that consumers use and interact with on a everyday basis. Um, and then there's a there's another cohort of chemicals, especially chemicals that um, are either made by fermentation from some sort of natural organism, uh, or they may be extracted uh, from various plant materials. But usually they're things that are smaller volume, they're higher price, higher margin, and usually they have some structural complexity such that you know, get, getting there from a petrochemical route is just simply not possible for a variety of reasons. And so in the molecules and the products that we're going after, there are some of both. There's, there are some that are currently produced uh, by fermentation. There are some that are currently extracted. And there are some that are currently made uh, from petrochemical-based routes. Okay. So, you know, again, what's an example or two of uh, – are you at the point where you've – found an alternate path to produce some of the major chemicals that are needed out there and you know what are they so sure so i can give you a couple examples so i think um one of the most interesting ones is this compound called limonene so if you have any cleaning products in your home that basically say citrus cleaner so that's uh that's basically limonene and the way that's made presently is it's a byproduct from the citrus industry so effectively the, the citrus growers take the take the oranges they press them to get juice and then they essentially do an extraction the steam extraction on the parts that are left over so the pulp and the peel and then what comes out of that is essentially an, or, an orange oil so they use that as sort of essential oils and then also lemony and then it's about a half a billion dollar a year market that goes into all sorts of natural solvents and cleaners 
And that particular industry, as you may be aware, if you, you know, drink orange juice, um, it's been hit by a, by a number of challenges in the last sort of five years uh, that's resulted in their prices going up, I don't know, 150%, something like that. Um, so oh, specifically wow. things like um, the orange groves have been impacted by a blight, a fungal blight, for which there was no cure. So that's hit them pretty hard. And then um, the other thing that's really impacted the, the orange groves in both North and South America is the uh, increased frequency and intensity of severe weather events, so hurricanes. Um, so it's been it's been a real real problem for the you know for the orange groves and the, and the basically downstream producers from there. So it's a weekend. Right, weekend so what's basically your hit. method of uh, of creating limonene? How is it different? What are the you know the parameters that are different about it? Sure. So we can basically recreate the biochemistry that happens in an orange, and we can do that in a an engineered microbe, and then create it by fermentation. So instead of having to uh, be subject to the vagaries of the agricultural cycle, uh, we can actually do this in a controlled environment, such that a customer could call up an order and say, "We want, you know, X amount on this date at this price." All right. Well, how do you compare the yields, the byproducts, um, you know, all the other factors involved, the energy inputs, and everything? What are how's it look versus the current process? Sure. Uh, it looks significantly advantaged, right? So we can do, you know, the technical and economic modeling based on the metrics that we've demonstrated. Um, and it all looks very, very favorable. So uh, we obviously don't have access to sort of the energy and the economics on the, the current producer side, but we know what we can do it for. And at the end of the day, we know we can hit a price point that's uh, roughly half of current market. So uh, that gives us a lot of wiggle room in terms of, of what we can we are able to achieve. So, so are all the products that you create uh, based on using bacteria to produce them? Or other microorganisms, yeah, or, or you know, it, it is. Um, so our, the the core of our technology is how we go about engineering microbes to get them to do what we want them to do. And you know, I'll I'll spare you all the gory details, but the you can think of it as a, just a highly efficient process. So uh, we effectively use the microbes as catalysts, and so it's a it's a two stage process where in the first step we we grow the catalyst. Uh, and then in the second step, we're no longer growing them, and we've essentially converted them into little bioconversion op units. Um, and so they take feedstock in and they put product out. And what our technology enables, and one of the factors that differentiates us, is that um, we can tailor the metabolism such that we just get the product that we're interested in. So we get very high yields. Uh, we, and so we essentially make we make the biocatalyst. Um, as part of that process, they naturally give off a little bit of CO2. And then other than that, it's the product. Um, and then from there, it, this is all done in a, basically a, a minimal salt solution, if you will. So it's all, it's all defined. There's not, not much there. Um, so it's a relatively benign process. So, so for some of the, uh, the chemicals that you make, I guess, you know, you feed the microorganisms something, a precursor, and then they digest it, and then their waste product is limonene, for instance, or whatever chemical you're looking for. Yeah, so the, the feedstock we use is sugar. And in the U.S., that would be a, basically a, a corn-derived sugar. If you were in other places in the world, it may be cane or it may be derived from straw, wheat straw, or wheatgrass, something like that. But in the U.S., that would be primarily corn sugar. Okay, so sometimes the bacteria will literally eat the precursor of what you want to make. Sometimes just you'll feed them some other feedstock like sugar, and then they'll act as a catalyst of 
some chemical and turn it into another chemical? Yeah, so just like any process, we, we take input, uh, raw materials into the process, and the output are, is primarily the product. So the inputs for, a, for any fermentation process are the microbe itself, um, and then a sugar feedstock, and then you know, wa- water and typically some type of, if, if you, have to, you have to control the pH and the fermentation, so you're typically adding a little bit of acid or base. Um, air, so, you know, oxygenate the environment, and that's that's kind of about it. Um, and then the outputs for us would be uh, the product, uh, the water, which can essentially be recycled back through wastewater treatment. Uh, salt can be recovered, that sort of thing. And then the, the leftover biomass. Um, and there are a variety of ways to, to dispose of that. Everything from uh, you could, you know, it, it's relatively small amounts, so you could landfill it you can incinerate it you can use it as a fertilizer there are all sorts of things um, sort of depending on the local economics in terms of what makes sense so what are some of the uh, difficulties in doing this why not do it for every chemical you know what makes it hard to do it for certain ones versus others uh so it depends on a couple factors um so one one factor is certainly technical uh so what what are you able to do with a microbe and what are you able to achieve in terms of the key performance metrics, so things like uh, the productivity, how uh, how much product the micro is able to make, um, you know, at what yield and at what rate, how fast they can make it, you know, per volume per time, and that's that's defined by the, the biochemistry and the pathways. And then the other piece of the equation is how much do you need to sell it for. So in you know almost all of these markets and applications, uh, in many cases markets exist. If not, there are Sort of uh, near neighbor or near relative markets, you can get a sense of, oh well, you know this particular product sells for five dollars per kilogram, and so you can you can actually translate those key metrics in terms of productivity uh, into uh, a minimum sales price, minimum selling price. You know, so to get to that, call it five dollars a kilogram, whatever it may be, and so you have to be able uh, to be able to hit the metrics, to hit the price point. Lots of people will actually buy it. So I think um, in the last decade, there was this, I don't know, mythology, if you will, that, oh, you know, there's going to be a green premium and people will, will pay, you know, pay more for something that's sustainably sourced. And so this sort of biotech-based approaches, people would pay more for it. And I think while there may still be very few and far between examples of that, I think uh, by and large, that's simply not the case and that... Uh, you have to be able to be competitive on the economics, and so that's that's our approach essentially to how we go about doing products. It's how how is it made now? Uh, what's the price point? And at what price point do we think we can make it? Uh, and how can we be advantaged because of that? And if we happen to get a green premium on top of it, I think that's just a bonus. But I think uh, many companies in the last decade were were banking on that, and uh, that didn't go so well for most of them. Mm. So what are some of the uh, dream chemicals that you'd like to produce? Sure. Um, so our technology is somewhat unique in that it, uh, it's a platform technology, so it enables us to go after all sorts of different things. And so our approach to that has been, you know, for the first set of products we're going after, um, let's go after things where markets exist, where there's certain opportunities that, you know, really only we can leverage, so things that our technology enables. Um, and then we'll get successes there, and then that opens up the opportunity for more. And so, um, 
the first set of or the first family of products that we're going after is in the amino acid space. And so these are things that are used in human and animal nutrition. They're currently made by fermentation, which is great. So it's relatively low barrier to entry. Um, they are smaller markets than some of the sort of big three or four that exist out there. But what's interesting in talking to customers is they've said, hey, you know, for these branch chain amino acids, we would happily, you know, you know, triple or you know, 10x our our consumption, our usage of them, if you could lower the price point. And it's yeah. it's become this uh, sort of chicken or an egg because the existing producers have consolidated. They're all very large companies. They um, they just can't do development at a reasonable cost and timeline. And so they've they've basically been ignoring this opportunity because it's essentially too small for them. Um, but it's a perfect fit for us where we can say, oh, you know, with our technology, the speed and the efficiency, which we can operate, we can actually deliver that at that price point and capture that, that increase in the market size. Um, so it's a, it's a really unique opportunity. So that's the amino acid family. And then uh, we have a, a terpenoid family, which is our limonene would be an example of that. But there's you know, a number of different products out there. Uh, many of them have markets in flavor fragrance, other specialty chemicals, specialty solvents, things like that. Um, where in many cases they're they're derived from some type of plant material, and so we can recreate that biochemistry in the microbe and do it in a, a much more controlled and efficient manner. Is there uh, are there cases where you know the bacteria produce other byproducts that are beneficial, or because uh, people want pure formulations of X, Y, or Z that you don't really uh, look for those things, or you try to exclude them? Um, so one of the advantages of our technology is that we can be very precise in what we create. Um, so for the, for the most part, it's, it's really just uh, you know, the product that we're going after. Historically, I think that has been the case. I think historically, most biotechnology approaches have resulted in you know, a variety of different things. Um, some of them may be beneficial, some of them not. Um, but with our very directed approach, um, that's generally not the case. So. Well, fermentation is not always, uh, you know, only produce one product process that's probably really messy, but maybe in a good way. And I'm sure that all kinds of compounds are produced that may be more beneficial than just a single compound. That's why I ask. I mean, you're in that world, but you're asking that world of fermentation to act differently than it's you know used to acting. So I just wonder what you've seen in that regard. Um, I think it depends on, on who you ask and what you're going after, right? So, um, so fermentation, you can do a lot of different things by it. It depends on what you're fermenting and what your approach is. You know, and there are, there are examples sort of across the spectrum, right? So, you know, if you look at the one extreme end of the spectrum, think about the brewing or the ethanol industry, right? Yeasts are exquisitely efficient at producing ethanol and pretty much nothing else, ethanol and CO2. Um, and that's sort of one, one good example. If you look at the other end of the spectrum, there's a whole bunch of folks working on, you know, things called secondary metabolites where they essentially go bioprospecting and they dig some random bug out of the dirt and they grow it up and they grow it in all sorts of different configurations and they get this sort of pool of products. Uh, oftentimes you have no idea what they are. So you end up spending significant amounts of time and money to first isolate the compounds and figure out what they can do. Um, so it's, it can be an interesting way to do discovery, but it's highly inefficient to actually do production that way. So like I said, fermentation can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and uh, our particular spin on it and our our value proposition is that 
you know, we're going to do this in a very directed fashion. We're going to make things that other people have difficulty making, and then we're going to do it in a way that's cost efficient. Okay, got it. Um, so, where do you see this process going in the next six months or a year? Any new, uh, you know, chemicals you're going to work to produce, or tweaks to the process, or changes? Uh, so we've got uh, a product portfolio that's growing every month. So I think we have. I think we have about half a dozen that are ready to go to pilot scale. We're piloting our first one now. Um, <clears throat> our general plan is to take a new product to pilot scale roughly every six months. Um, and then the business development cycle, essentially the way that works um, is you essentially do pilot scale, you produce samples, those go out to customers, they do acceptance testing, and then those translate back into uh, offtake orders. And it's usually a six or eight month cycle for customers to evaluate evaluate the samples and kind of come back and get those deal signed. And so uh, we have development lab scale ongoing. So I think in the next year, we would anticipate having anywhere from 20 to 30 different molecules with commercial metrics demonstrated at bench scale. And then uh, based on sort of customer discovery and market interactions, uh, we, you know, we'll prioritize uh, which products go to pilot scale next. So Okay. Well, very good. So, what are some uh, what are some resources for listeners so they could find out more about what you're doing? Ah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I forget. Is there a website they can go to, or you know, should they look at social media? We can certainly go to our website. So, you know, DMC DMCBio.com would give a little introduction to us. We've got some uh, some technology related materials on there, and there's some links out to the relevant articles in the space. Uh, so that'd be sort of, I guess, the first place to, to look. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Matt, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and spending the time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your time today. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review and discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.